0: As we kneel before the crib this Christmas season and these strange days that we live in, which the general cultural attitude seems to present a relationship with our Lord as just another of many possible choices in the great solid bar of reality, one of the latest fads is to name babies after ancient pagan gods. We've got to take a few minutes to come to a deeper understanding of our own relationship with Christ our Lord and our relationship with Adam. We'll start by reviewing some fundamental truths about our Lord. Two basic concepts of nature and person and how they apply to our Lord. For the sake of time, in this section, we'll rely heavily on Frank Sheed. Nature. Imagine we're staying in a cabin in the woods and late at night we hear a strange noise and we wonder, what is that? Is it a mountain lion? Is it a grizzly bear? What is it? When we ask the question, what was that? Or when we ask the question, what can something do? We're asking a question about natures. Nature is the whatness of something. Fish have fish nature. They swim and breathe water. Birds have bird nature. They have feathers. They lay eggs. We have human nature. Men have human natures. We have bodies and an immortal soul. We can walk and talk and laugh and think. In ordinary language, nature answers the question, What is it? Or what can it do? Person. Now imagine we're staying in that cabin and we hear a knock on the door. Now when we hear that, we don't go, What was that? Was that a Kyle? Was that a grizzly bear?" We don't ask, what was that? We say, who's there? Why? Because we already know what nature we're dealing with. We're dealing with someone with a human nature. When we ask the question, who, we're asking a question about persons. Nature determines what something is and what it can do. The person, that's who's knocking. That's who's actually doing this particular thing. Okay? Let's take another example. What are we? Well, we've all got human nature, but we're all different persons, aren't we? Who am I? Father Phil Wolf. Although the abilities of a particular thing are determined by its nature. For example, I can speak, I can talk, I can think. My nature doesn't talk, my nature doesn't preach, my nature doesn't think. I do. A person, a person does all those things. I'm talking, my nature isn't talking. You're listening, your nature isn't listening, you're sitting. Your nature isn't sitting. You're breathing. Your nature isn't breathing. Okay? So speaking, thinking, laughing, talking. All these are things that are possible because we have a human nature, but our nature doesn't do any of these things. We do. A person does those. So nature tells us, what is it? What can it do? A person tells us, who is it? Who's actually doing it? Okay? So... With each one of us, there's one who, and one what. In other words, there's one person, a human person. Who's preaching? Father Wolf. One nature. What kind of nature? He's human nature. Okay. What is he? He's human. Who is he? Father Wolf. All right? That's how it works. Now, in keeping in mind that our nature tells us what is it and what can it do, a person tells us who is it who is doing it. Today, let's take a look at our Lord and ask ourselves four questions. First, what is He? Second, what can He do? Third, who is He? And fourth, who's actually doing it? So, what is He? What can He do? Who is He? And who's actually doing anything that our Lord's doing? Number one, what is He? Our Lord is true God. He has a divine nature. And He's true man. He has a human nature, which means he has a human body and a soul. Our Lord has two distinct natures. So if we asked our Lord, what are you? He could honestly say, I am a man. He also could honestly say, I am God. He has two distinct natures, two witnesses. We ask God, what is he? He's true God, and he's true man. Two distinct natures. Question two, who is he? Our Lord is a divine person. The second person of the most blessed Trinity, God the Son, the Word made flesh. So, like us, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is one person. But unlike us, he is not a human person. Our Lord is is not a human person. He's a divine person. That little baby crying in a manger, laying there, is God the Son. God from all eternity, who then, in the fullness of time, took to himself a human nature, who took flesh from the Blessed Virgin Mary, and who on that first Christmas was born in the stable in Bethlehem. So our Lord has two natures united in one person. The natures are united in one person. It is a personal union. The natures are united in the one person. A human nature and a divine nature united in one divine person. The second person of the most blessed trinity, God the Son. Keep in mind that even if, God willing, we should make it to heaven, and we've pondered this thought for all eternity, it will still be something we can never completely comprehend. We can keep on penetrating deeper and deeper and seeing more and more things in this mystery, but we'll never be able to totally comprehend it, no matter how long we think about it. So at best, at the end of this sermon, we'll be left in a more luminous darkness. Number three, what can he do? Because he has a divine nature, our Lord can do anything and everything that pertains to being God. He can create all things. He can hold all things in existence. He can turn water into wine. He can forgive sins. He can resurrect himself from the dead. And because he has a human nature, he can do anything and everything that pertains to being a man. He can be born of the Blessed Virgin Mary. He can be wrapped in swaddling clothes and lay in a manger. He can eat. He can work. And he can sweat. And he can suffer and he can die God can die remember that death means the soul leaves the body God with the human nature has a soul and he has a body and at death his soul left his body God can die now the fact that our Lord has two natures united in one divine person has some absolutely remarkable consequences as we'll see when we go through this last question number four who's actually doing it remember that although abilities of a particular thing are determined by its nature the person actually performs the actions since we're men we can talk but our nature doesn't talk a particular person talks you're sitting your nature isn't sitting I'm preaching my nature isn't preaching you're breathing your nature isn't breathing okay all those things are possible because we have a human nature But our nature isn't doing them. Let's apply that to our Lord. As we've seen, because our Lord has a human nature, he can do anything and everything that goes with being a man. He can be born of a blessed virgin. He can be wrapped in swaddling clothes and lie in a manger. But who's being born? Who's being wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger? A person. A person is doing all those things. A person, a divine person. The second person of the most blessed trinity, God the Son. God the Son is laying there. That little itty-bitty baby is God the Son. That's what we mean when we say the Blessed Virgin Mary is the mother of God. Sometimes people will say crazy things like Mary is the mother of God's nature. That's whack. Natures don't have mothers. She's the mother of God, the Son, in the same way that my mom is my mom and that your mom is is your mom. What did she do for him? The same thing your mom did for you, which is give you a body. Moms don't give us souls. Moms don't give us that. But she gives us a body, and that's exactly what the Blessed Virgin Mary did for our Lord, God the Son. No matter what our Lord does, whether it's raising men from the dead or eating breakfast, it's always a person that's doing it. A divine person, the second person of Blessed Trinity, God the Son. The Word made flesh. That also means that any act that our Lord does, any act at all, has an infinite value. Because who is doing that act? It's God. The person who does that act is God. Okay, so we asked ourselves four questions. What is he? Our Lord has two natures. He's got a human nature. He's true man. He's got a body and a soul. He's a divine nature. He's true God. Who is he? He's the second person of the Blessed Trinity. God from all eternity, but he took a human nature to himself in the fullness of time from the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, What can he do? He can do everything proper to being a man. and He can do everything proper to being God. But who's doing anything that the Lord does? It's God. God the Son is doing it. The second person of the Blessed Trinity. Okay. Now let's tie all this together. In order to understand why a relationship with our Lord isn't just another possible choice in the great cosmic solid bar of reality, in order to understand our religion at all, in order to understand the absolute necessity for each of us to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we need to have a clear understanding of two points. One, what does Adam have to do with each one of us. In other words, what's our relationship with Adam and how does that arise? And two, what does Jesus Christ have to do with each one of us? What is our relationship with him? and how does that arise? What's our relationship with Adam and how does it arise? What's our relationship with our Lord and how does it arise? First, what does Adam have to do with us? What's our relationship with Adam and how does it arise? This one's easy. Adam is the physical head and natural father of mankind. We have a natural relationship to Adam. We're all descended from Adam, okay? As an aside, this shows the complete stupidity of racism since we're all equally descended from one common father, Adam. And since we're all descended from Adam, since we're all equally his sons, we're all equally his heirs, right? That means we each get a share, an inheritance passed down to us by Adam. That means we've inherited all those things that Adam has bequeathed to us, right? And what has Adam handed down to us? Okay, those things like original sin, concupiscence, sin, suffering, death, and bondage to the devil. That's what we inherit from Adam. Yeah, great. Thanks a lot, Adam. So, we have a natural relationship with Adam. He's the physical head of mankind. He was our representative before God, our ambassador on the behalf of mankind before God, and he blew it. On behalf of mankind, he declared war. Naturally speaking, we're his heirs and fellow citizens, and so that's why scripture says, by nature we are born children of wrath. That is what we got from Adam. Second question, what does Christ have to do with us? What's our relationship with Christ, and how does that arise? Now that we've spent some time pondering the who's and what's of our Lord, we should have a clear understanding of the answer to this question. We should have a clear understanding of what it means when we say he's not a human person. He's a divine person, the second person, the most blessed Trinity, and he's got two natures. He's true God and true man. So now we can easily see what Christ has to do with us. On the one hand, because Christ is God. The God in whose image and likeness we were all created. The God who made all things out of nothing. Who's holding all things in being. Holding everything above the surface of nothingness, so to speak. Keeping everything from collapsing back into nothingness. This God who constantly pours down into us existence. He knows even our most secret thoughts and desires, all the secrets of our hearts, because he's actually holding those in existence. Even our sins he holds in existence. He's giving our most secret thoughts, being. Because he's God, it's easy to see that relationship. We have a relationship with him of existence. He's actually holding each one of us in all our thoughts, words, and deeds in existence, right? And because he's man... He can do anything and everything that goes with being man, but any act our Lord does, any act at all, has an infinite value, since the person who's doing it is God. Now step back from that for a minute and imagine a man coming to you. He's just been sentenced to a very painful death, but he's given the opportunity for one appeal, and he's asking you for advice. He wants to know, what lawyer should I hire? He's got a number of choices. One of the defense lawyers is very experienced and has never lost a case, and none of the rest have ever won a case. What are you going to advise him? It? It's a no-brainer, right? It's the same problem for each one of us. Thanks to Adam, we've all been sentenced to death. Without grace, that means eternal death, too. But now, since the Incarnation, Jesus Christ is available. He's available to represent us, and he's the perfect man. He's one of us. But unlike us, he's never offended God. He is God. Every act he does has infinite value. And in his most important act, he came to redeem us in order that we might receive adoptions as the sons of God, as St. Paul points out in today's epistle. He came specifically to untangle the mess we're in as a result of Adam's sin. Now here's the problem. Listen carefully. This is the problem. As men, as descendants of Adam, we all have a natural relationship to him. We fell and supernaturally died in Adam insofar as we're united to him. We're united to him as our representative, whether we like it or not, just by the mere fact that we've been conceived. And there's not a thing we can do about that. We accept, of course, the Blessed Virgin. There's not a thing we can do about it. We're united to Adam as our representative, whether we like it or not. And just as we fell from grace and became children of wrath because of our union with Adam, so also, union with Christ restores us to grace and makes us adopted sons of God. Just... As we've been, just, let's hear that again. Just as we fell from grace and became children of wrath because of our union with Adam, union with Christ restores us to grace and makes us the adopted sons of God. Union with Christ restores us to grace and makes us the adopted sons of God. We're naturally united to Adam whether we like it or not. We can't help that. But we have to be supernaturally united to Christ to be restored and get the dignity of the adopted sons of God. Here are the same points expressed by the infallible teaching of the Church in Canon 3 of the Decree on Original Sin from the Council of Trent. Quote, If anyone asserts, that the sin of Adam, which is transmitted to all men by propagation and is in each man as his own, is taken away either by the powers of human nature or by any other remedy besides the merit of the one mediator, our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath reconciled us to God in his own blood. Let him be anathema, For there is no other name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved. Close quote. The infallible teaching of the Catholic Church. If anyone asserts that the sin of Adam is taken away by any other remedy besides the merit of our Lord and Savior Christ, let him be anathema, which means let him be excommunicated. Just as we all fell from grace and became children of wrath because of our union with Adam... Union with Christ and only union with Christ restores us to grace and makes us adopted sons of God. As a Carmelite master of the interior life wrote, We shall belong to Christ, but we shall not have supernatural life. We shall be sons with the Word incarnate in the bosom of the Holy Trinity, or we shall be excluded from the kingdom of heaven close quote now our Lord desires the salvation of all men that's why he came on his mission of mercy Jesus Christ is the way the truth and the life as our holy patron Saint Peter says there is no other name under heaven given a man whereby we must be saved there is no other way besides union with Christ to be saved there is no other way Reality is not some giant cosmic bar. Either Jesus Christ is our representative before God, or he isn't. There are no other choices. So this Christmas, we ought to really ponder that when we look at the crib and be filled with thanks and with wonder and with joy. That even though each one of us is by his nature born a child of wrath. In spite of that, our Lord had mercy on us. We ought to be filled with thanks, wonder, and joy that God took mercy on us, proud, rebellious dust like us, and gave us the dignity of becoming the sons of God and the heirs of eternal life. And that is the principal reason we should be merry this Christmas. Merry Christmas.